Min qablu from before, meaning he revealed the Torah and the Injil from before. Before what? Before the revelation of the Quran. Why did he reveal it? Hudan as a guidance. What does Huda mean? What does Huda mean? Guidance. But what's the literal meaning of the word? It is said that Huda is derived from Hadi. And what does Hadi mean? Gift. Hadiya, gift. Hidayah is a gift. It's not a burden. It's a gift. People who get Hidayah, whether it is of Tawfiq or of Irshad, what is it? It's a big gift of Allah. Knowledge is a gift of Allah. And if you look at it, a Hadiyah, a gift, is transferred from one to another. So what does Hidayah mean? Transformation. That a person is a different person from before. He used to think differently. But now, he thinks differently. He used to say some different words before. But now, he says some other words. He doesn't use those words anymore. He used to do some other things, some different things before. But after Hidayah, he doesn't do those things anymore. He doesn't do those actions anymore. So Hidayah is transformation. When a person gets Hidayah, when a person gets guidance, he is clearly different from how he was before. Clearly. And it's not just that person who realizes that change, it's others around him as well who realize that change in him. So if you hear, you're so different now, maybe it's a good news for you. مِنْ قَبْلُ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ It was a guidance for the people. Which people? For the people of that time. So the Torah was a guide for the people of that time and the Injil was a guide for the people of that time. And now, وَأَنزَلَ الْفُرْقَانِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down the Furqan. What does Furqan literally mean? From Faraqa. Criterion. That which differentiates between two things. That which differentiates, that which distinguishes between two things. For example, something that distinguishes between truth and falsehood. Something that differentiates between beneficial and harmful. That which differentiates between beneficial and more beneficial. Between harmful and more harmful. Good and better. This is what Furqan is. Now what does the Furqan refer to? It is said that Furqan over here refers to the Qur'an. What does it refer to? The Qur'an. Because we know that Furqan is one of the descriptions of the Qur'an. Now why is it mentioned over here? Because the Qur'an was mentioned before. نَزَّلَ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ So how come Furqan is being mentioned over here? To emphasize that the Qur'an was sent down, the Qur'an was revealed. Why? To make clear the truth from falsehood. Especially after the previous books were distorted. After the previous books were misinterpreted. And after the followers of the Torah and the followers of Injil made false claims. So the Quran was revealed as a furqan to clarify the truth from the falsehood. Secondly, it has been said that furqan over here refers to all of the revealed books. Not just the Quran, not just the Torah and the Injil, but Furqan refers to all of the scriptures. It's a sifa, it's a characteristic of all of the revealed books. Because that is the reason why Allah sent down books. So that people know right from wrong, good from bad. Wa anzal al-Furqan, and he sent down the Furqan. 
Indeed those people who disbelieved In what? Bi-ayatillah In the verses of Allah For them there is Lahum adabun shadeed For them there is A severe punishment Now how come the disbelievers Are being mentioned all of a sudden? You see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sent down the book Why? For the guidance of people For the guidance of mankind Now there are some people Who accept that guidance Who follow that guidance But there are other people Who refuse to accept it Who don't follow it Who don't accept it at all But the fact is That who is it That has revealed the book Allah La ilaha illahu Al-hayyul qayyum So if someone Does not accept the word Does not accept the guidance of Allah Then he is obviously a criminal Obviously he is doing something Absolutely wrong Something that is completely unacceptable For example you tell a child Someone who doesn't know About what's good for him, what's bad for him You tell him about what he should do and what he should not do And the child says, no, I'm not going to listen to you I'm going to do whatever I want to do Are you going to get upset? Yeah, why? Because the child does not know He does not know what's good for him What's not good for him And you know better And that's why you're telling the child And he says, no, I'm not going to listen to you I'm going to do whatever I want to do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ilm His knowledge compared to their ilm of people The knowledge of people is what? Like a drop of the ocean And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ilm وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ He is al-hay, he is al-qayyum So obviously his ilm is most perfect So if someone does not accept the guidance of Allah That is based on their ilm of Allah Obviously he deserves some punishment And if you think of it Whose earth is it that they're living on? Who is it that is sustaining them? That is looking after them? Al-Qayyum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is He whom you reject? It is His word that you refuse to accept? So if you refuse to follow His words, to follow His commands, while living on His earth, while benefiting from everything that He has given you, then obviously there are some consequences for the disbelief. So inna ladina kafaru bi ayatillah those people who disbelieve in the verses of Allah remember the ayat of Allah are ayat kauni and ayat shari so those who disbelieve in them lahum adabun shadid for them is a severe punishment severe consequences because the crime is also very great the crime is also very serious it's like a person who lives in a particular country who lives in a particular land and he says to the government that no, I'm not going to follow any of the laws. For example, if a person immigrates to a particular country and he wishes to get citizenship, what does he have to do? He has to go take an oath. Has somebody taken? What do they have to say over there? That you're going to be faithful, you're not going to abuse the laws and all of this. Why? Because you're living in that land. And if you say that no, I'm not going to take the oath. Who are you to tell me? I'm a free person. I have free will. I have a free mind. I can do whatever I want. I can drive however I want. I can do whatever I want. Are you going to be allowed? Are you going to have to suffer some consequences? Yes. Maybe you won't be given the passport. Maybe you'll be put behind bars. There are severe consequences for not accepting rules. Therefore, if a person is living on the earth that Allah has created... He is surviving because Allah is sustaining him. And he says, no, I'm not going to believe in the revelation of Allah. I'm not going to follow the Qur'an. Okay, Allah says, fine. 
لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ For them there is a severe punishment which is absolutely justified. We learned earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah that as for those people who disbelieve, لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ For them is a massive punishment, a great punishment. Over here we see, لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ For them is a severe punishment. Now what does it mean by شَدِيد? شَدِيد is something that is very tough, very hard and rigorous. Basically it is from شَد and شَد is to bind something, to tie something up. So just imagine, if you tied something up very tightly, Sometimes people, they tie their hair very tightly and what happens? Their head begins to hurt. So something that is very tight, it hurts. And something that is very tight, it's difficult to take it off, to remove it. So adhabun shadid, a punishment that is severe, what does it mean? A punishment that is very, very difficult to bear. Very difficult to bear, extremely painful, massive. And it also conveys a meaning, adabun shadid, that it's a punishment from which they will never be released. A punishment that will bind them eternally, from which they will never be released. They will never be freed from that punishment. Lahum adabun shadid, for them is a severe punishment. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. ألف لام ميم الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم نزل عليك الكتاب بالحق مصدقا لما بين يديه وأنزل التوراة والإنجيل من قبل هدى للناس وأنزل الفرقان إن الذين كفروا بآيات الله لهم عذاب شديد والله عزيز ذو انتقام If you look at it from the beginning, the surah, these letters, you hear them all the time. Can you produce something like the Qur'an? No, you can't. Therefore, believe in it. Follow it. Accept it. Allah is the one besides whom there is no other God. Why? Because He is Al-Hay and He is Al-Qayyum. And because He is Al-Hay, He is Al-Qayyum, His knowledge is most perfect. And therefore, He is the one who provides for you And He is the one who also guides you. And for your guidance, He has revealed the Qur'an. And for the people before you, He revealed previous books. And all of these books, what are they? A criterion that tell the people what is right and what is wrong. So those people who don't accept, those people who don't follow, who reject the guidance of Allah, for them obviously there are severe consequences. Now what is this adabun shadid? Okay, yes, we learned that it's a very difficult, burdensome punishment that is difficult to bear, from which they will never be released. But what is it? We learn in the Quran, in Surah Al-Dukhan, Ayah 43-44, that the food of the people of hellfire is what? إِنَّ شَجَرَةَ الزَّقُومُ طَعَامُ الْأَثِيمُ 
Indeed, the tree of zakum is the food for the sinful. And what is this food? What is this tree? That when the people will eat it, it will burn them. It will boil in their stomachs like boiling hot water. And as for their drink, وَإِن يُغَاثُ بِمَا إِن If they call for relief, if they call for water, they will be relieved with water like murky oil. Oil that will burn their faces. As for their skin, every time their skins are burnt up, they will be renewed with more skins. As for their clothing, it will be of tar. As for their beds, as for the canopies, the roofs above their heads, what will they be of? Fire. And on top of that, they will be reproached. What will they be told? أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرَ وَجَاءَكُمُ النَّذِيرُ Surah Fatir, Ayah 37 that did we not give you a long life? A long enough life in which you could take a lesson. In which you could realize. In which you could take heed and change your ways, improve your ways. And on top of that, a warner came to you. You weren't ignorant. Somebody came and told you about what was expected of you. For them there is severe punishment. Wallahu azizun and Allah is always almighty and He is also buntiqam. He is one who takes Revenge. Aziz, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, it means one who is very honorable, one who is victorious, and it also means one who is very mighty. None can harm him. He is victorious in his affair, nothing can prevent him from effecting his promise, from effecting his threat. And he is also the intiqam. Intiqam is from nun qaf meem, naqama. And naqama literally means to dislike something or someone. When do we dislike someone? When they have done something to hurt us, to upset us. When somebody upsets us, we don't like them anymore. Isn't it so? Naqama is also to think bad of someone and as a result of that, to insult them or to say words of reproach to them and sometimes also inflict physical harm upon them. So for example, if somebody has done something to upset you, what will you do? You will either shout at them or sometimes people get down to even hitting physically. They get down to physical violence. Why? Because they have upset them. This is the literal meaning of the word naqama. And intiqam, which is a word that is being used over here, intiqam is to take revenge, to punish the one who is guilty. To punish who? Someone who is guilty. It is justified punishment. It is when somebody has done something wrong, when they shouldn't have done it, then intiqam is to punish them. It is to take revenge from them. And intiqam also includes taking one's haq from the criminal. It is to take one's haq from the criminal. It is to take one's right from the criminal. So Allah is duntiqam. What does it mean? He takes... Revenge. He is the owner of severe retribution against who? Against those who disobey him. Against those who don't listen to him. Against those who don't respect his words. Against those who don't acknowledge his words. So those who don't listen to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also punishes them. What do we generally say? Allah is ghafoor rahim do whatever you want. But we forget that he is Aziz and Duntiqam as well. 
Also, if you look at it, as for the Quran in particular, Nazala was used. And as for Furqan, Anzala was used. And we said that Furqan, one of the opinions is that it refers to the Quran. So how come Anzala has been used? Remember that Nazala in particular means to reveal gradually. And Anzala does not convey that meaning. Sometimes Anzala conveys the meaning of just revealing. We're not talking about gradually or in one go. We're just talking about revealing, sending down. So before, because it was mentioned already that the Qur'an was revealed gradually, Anzala has been mentioned just to state that it was revealed. It was given to the people. And because Anzala, Al-Furqan, Furqan is not just the Qur'an, it also refers to the previous books, it also refers to the previous scriptures. Therefore, if the verb Nazala were used, then the meaning would be limited. But by using the word Anzala, both meanings are correct. Both meanings are sound. And remember when I tell you about these multiple interpretations, it doesn't mean that one is right, the other is wrong. This is the beauty of the Qur'an. That in one text, you can get so many meanings that are all correct. As long as there is evidence behind each interpretation, it is correct. As long as they don't contradict each other, it is correct. It is acceptable to believe and follow both. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَخْفَى عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ Indeed, from Allah, nothing is hidden. La yakhfa alayhi. Yakhfa is from the root letters kha, fa, ya. Which means to be hidden. Khafi, to be hidden. So la yakhfa alayhi, nothing is hidden upon him. Meaning, any existent thing, nothing at all is hidden from him. Whether that thing is fil ardi, whether it is in the earth, wala fil sama, or if it's in the sky. So anything that is in the heavens and the earth, it's not hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not unknown to Allah. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of every deed, of every action that is done, every movement, every word, anything that is done, anything that is uttered, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of it. So we see that openness and secrecy, whether something is done in open or whether something is done in secrecy, it is all the same to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing at all is hidden from Him. So the one who knows everything, the one who is aware of every single thing, the one whose knowledge is complete, there is not even a speck of dust that is hidden from Him, that He is unaware of. As we learn elsewhere in the Quran, that not even a leaf falls except that Allah knows of it. Now that it is fall, go out and look at all the leaves that are falling all the time. And just imagine, every leaf that falls, Allah knows of it. We just say leaves. But every leaf that falls, Allah is aware of it. So there is no action, no movement, no word, no sound, nothing at all that is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our knowledge on the other hand is very limited. It is not even a drop compared to the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the one who has complete knowledge, obviously his guidance is going to be that which is best. So if he is the one who knows about everything and he is the one who has told us about what to do, what not to do, we should listen to him. We should accept what he's saying. And going against what he says, preferring misguidance, going against his instructions, Obviously, a person would be incurring loss. 
a person would be bringing harm upon himself. I gave you the example earlier of a child. That if there is a child who doesn't know about what's good for him and what's not good for him, and he just does whatever he wants to do, and he doesn't listen to the instructions that are given to him, obviously what is he going to do? He's going to harm himself. He should listen to those who have better knowledge of him. So Allah is the one from whom nothing at all is hidden. So obviously whatever He has sent, whatever He has guided us with, is that which is best for us. So therefore we should trust Him when it comes to the Qur'an. We should trust Him when it comes to the commands that He has given us. And if there is something that we don't understand, which is quite possible, then what should be our behavior? What should be our reaction? That, O oh Allah, I don't understand, help me understand, but I accept it. I don't understand, help me understand, but I accept it. We learn about the scholars. They would pray, Ya Mu'allima Ibrahim, Allimni. O oh, teacher of Ibrahim. O oh, the one who taught Ibrahim, teach me as well. Ibrahim salam was given so much ilm. O oh Allah, if you could give him ilm, give me ilm. وَيَا مُفَهِّمَ سُلَيْمَانِ فَهِّمْنِي And O oh, one who gave understanding and comprehension to Sulaiman give me comprehension as well. We see that scholars, they wouldn't say, I don't understand this, so I'm not going to accept it. I don't understand this, so I'm not going to do it. No. If I don't understand, maybe their problem is with me. Because who is telling me to do this? Allah, who knows everything. Who knows what's good for me, what's bad for me. So, O teacher of Ibrahim, teach me. O one who gave comprehension to Sulaiman, give me comprehension as well. We learn about some scholars that if they didn't understand an issue, they would do istighfar from morning until evening. They would seek Allah's forgiveness. That maybe it is some sin that I have committed that is preventing me from understanding. They didn't become arrogant at that time. They didn't become arrogant. We don't know everything. And we think we know everything. If I don't understand something, maybe the problem is with me. Maybe I need to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for comprehension. He is the one who shapes you. He is the one who fashions you, who forms you. Where? Fil arham in the wombs. How? Kaifayasha, however he wills. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one. Who yusawwirukum? Yusawwiru is from the word surah. Sad, waw, ra. And the word surah is used for the shape of something. The form of something. And sawwara yusawwiru is to give shape and form to something. So yusawwiru, he gives shape. He gives form. To who? To you. And notice the word is sawwara. With a shadda on the wow, on the middle letter. And we learned nazzala. Nazzala also has a shadda on the middle letter. Nazzala gives the meaning of gradually. Sawwara also gives the meaning of gradually. So he is the one who gradually gives you form, who gradually shapes you, who forms you. Where? In the wombs of your mothers. It's a long process. But he is the one who gives shape to you. And what does it mean by this? That He is the one who gives shape to you. Meaning He is the one who shapes your internal structures and external form. He is the one who has formed your tissues, your cells, your gender, whether you're a male or a female, your height, 
your color externally and internally. And if you look at the external aspect of the human beings, external features of the human beings, look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fashioned the surface of the human body with skin, with hair, with lips, with eyes, with nose, with nails, with pores on the skin, with the beautiful color of the skin. What is this? Sawara. He is the one who has shaped you. And where did he shape you? Fil Arham. Arham is the plural of Rahim or Rihim, which is used for the womb, where the fetus is. So we see that, yes, the human being, he is created in the womb of the mother, but it doesn't just happen by itself. All of this process doesn't just happen by itself. There is someone behind it. Because if you look at the human beings, there's so much variety. Sometimes the siblings, they don't look like siblings. Their color is not the same. Their features are not the same. Their eyes are not the same. Maybe their heights are completely different. One is so tall and the other is so short. It happens. And if you look at the human beings overall, there is so much variety. There are so many differences between the human beings. So how is it possible that the human beings are made in the wombs of their mothers without someone being behind them? Who is it that chooses the particular genes? Who is it who chooses the particular order of the genes? Who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَوِّرُكُمْ فِي الْأَرْحَامِ And notice, He gives you shape where? In the womb, in the darkness, closed, hidden from the people. Hidden from the people, in the darkness, فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ ثَلَاثِ Behind three darknesses. هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَوِّرُكُمْ فِي الْأَرْحَامِ كَيْفَ يَشَاءِ Notice how Allah says, كَيْفَ يَشَاءِ However He wills. Sometimes in the womb, there is not just one child, but there are multiple. Sometimes there are some unique features. كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ However he wills. Some children are male, other are female. كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ However he wills. So at the end of the day, what should we realize? That however I am, this shape, this form, these features that I have, who gave them to me? Allah gave them to me. كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ This is what He wanted for me. This is what He chose for me. This is what He liked for me. So I should also be happy with it. Many times people complain about their height or their features or their fingers or their nails or their skin or their something or the other. Nobody is happy with the way that they look. And it's possible that other people find them so beautiful. Other people... You know, wish to have the same skin or wish to have the same eyes or wish to have something that they have. But every person is unhappy with the way he is, forgetting that this is how Allah made me. كَيْفَ This is what He wanted for me. This is what He chose for me. هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَوِّرُكُمْ فِي الْأَرْحَامِ كَيْفَ So it's not possible that such an intricate and complicated process of the creation of the human being that happens in the womb of the mother there is no one behind it. It's not possible. It is Allah Al-Hay. It is Allah Al-Qayyum. The one who gives shape to you. The one who gives form to you. Look at the knowledge of Allah. Each person is different. What does that show to us? The knowledge of Allah. When human beings, when they make something, when they produce something, 
eventually they run out of ideas. And once they've made a few different things, then you see monotony in their work. For example, cars, every year they'll bring a newer model which is slightly different and better than the previous one. Slightly. There's no big major difference. Many times people cannot even tell the differences between the new and the old model. For them, all cars are the same. But people, you can immediately see the differences. Look at the knowledge of Allah. No two people look alike. It is still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who creates the human being. People may have come up with different ways of having children. However, at the end of the day, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who makes a final decision about the form and shape of the child. Sometimes we are unhappy about how we are. And other times we pass comments on how other people are. She's too like this and she's too much like this. And I mean, who are we to comment? It is His decision. It is He who created. It is His creation. We don't have any right to object or criticize. La ilaha illahu. There is no God except He. Who is He? He is Al-Aziz, the one who is mighty, the one who is capable. No one else is capable. And if He makes a decision with regards to the creation and form of a particular human being, no one can reject. No parents can choose as to how they want their child to look, how they want their child to be. And if the child is born and they say, no, this is not what I wanted, too bad. The child is not going to be changed for you. He is Al-Aziz. You cannot go against his decision. And he is also Al-Hakim. He is the one who is most wise. Al-Hakim, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is from Hakaf Meem. And remember that Hakim gives us several meanings. First of all, it is derived from Hikmah. What does Hikmah mean? Wisdom. That every decision, every judgment of his is based on what? It is based on his wisdom. Sometimes we see that some people, they don't like their in-laws. Sometimes from the girl's side or sometimes from the boy's side. It's possible. And the child that they have is so similar to the person whom they dislike. Happens. You may have seen it. It happens. So the way that every child is created, there is some wisdom behind it. Sometimes there is a child who is physically disabled and there is also wisdom behind that. Sometimes there is a child who is very beautiful, very lovable, like Musa minni. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him such that as a baby he was very attractive and everybody who saw him loved him. Why? There was some hikmah behind that. He was supposed to go to Fir'aun's house. And he was an Israelite. So he had to be very cute, very lovable for Fir'aun to actually adopt him. There is hikmah, there is wisdom behind every decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the name of Allah, Hakim, is also derived from hukum. And what does hukum mean? Judgment, decision. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hakim, meaning he is hakim, he is muhkim. He is the one who judges. He is the one who makes judgment. But what kind of judgments does he make? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hukm includes hukm kawni, which includes what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for the kawni affairs of people, worldly affairs of people, their risk, their knowledge, their family, their features, their livelihood, all of that, whatever they're supposed to face in their lives, whether it is trials or ease, difficulty or pain or hardship, friendship, suffering, whatever. And then the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also includes hukum that is shari. What does it mean by that? 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also legislated for us as to what we should do when it comes to our deen. What is acceptable and what is not acceptable when it comes to the deen. So he is Al-Aziz and he is also Al-Hakim. Let's listen to the recitation. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَخْفَى عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَوِّرُكُمْ فِي الْأَرْحَامِ كَيْفَ يَشَاءُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Remember I told you at the beginning that the surah was revealed The first 83 verses of the surah were revealed Especially when a group of people came from Najran And this group of people are Christians And they came to the Prophet ﷺ asking about the principles of Islam And the Prophet ﷺ gave them da'wah to accept Islam Now all of these verses that we have read so far The Quran was revealed The Torah, the Injil, they are mentioned And then especially the Furqan is mentioned. Why? That the changes that the previous people have made in their books, the alterations that they have made, or the innovations that they have made in their religion, the Qur'an is Furqan, meaning it tells you what is right and what is not right. What is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And this ayah in particular, what does it tell us? That Allah is the one who creates you in the wombs of your mothers. So somebody who is created in the womb of his mother, who is he? A human being. He is a human being. And the Christians, what did they claim? That Isa was the son of God. But what does Allah say? That he is the one who creates you in the wombs of your mothers? No matter who you are. An ordinary person? A very rich person? A very poor person? A person from... thousands of years ago or a person from today a prophet or any other human being it is Allah who creates everybody and Isa salam, who was created in the womb of his mother how could he be God how could he be son of God when he was created in the womb of his mother and we also must remember that over here it has been said that هو الذي يصوركم في الأرحام كيف يشاء He is the one who forms you in the wombs of your mothers, however he wills. He doesn't just give us our shape, our form in the wombs of the mothers, but he also decrees the provision, the lifespan, and all of these details as well with regards to every single person. How much is he going to make? How much is he going to consume? How much is he going to use? How much is he going to waste? How long is he going to live? When is he going to die? All of this is also decreed. in the womb of the mother and because he is the creator he is the one who decrees therefore he is the only one who deserves worship notice in these verses this concept is being emphasized again and again that because he is the creator because he is al-hay because he is al-qayyum because his knowledge is the most vast therefore he is the only one who deserves worship no one else but him No human being, no prophet, no person, no star, nothing. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves worship. When we see the sifat of the Qur'an being musaddiq, that the Qur'an is a musaddiq, it confirms the previous books, it shows us that we must also 
give respect to the previous books. Okay, fine, they have been altered, they have been changed, but we must accept the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Torah, Allah revealed the Injil for the guidance of mankind. But obviously, they're not to be followed today because Allah has sent the Quran as a final revelation. We see that Hakim is derived from, first of all, Hikmah. Hakim would mean the one who is most wise. Secondly, it is derived from the word Hukum, which means judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who makes judgments, which are Kauni and also Shadri. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us, He has fashioned us, including our faces, including every feature that He has given us, and we should be content and happy with it. And what it means by being content and happy with it is that a person, first of all, should not complain about it, and secondly, he should not do anything that is not permissible in trying to change and alter what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for us. And we see that when people do not accept the way that they are, because there's so much emphasis on looking perfect, what happens? People go into things like surgery and they don't eat properly, dieting excessively, harming themselves physically. We should be content and happy with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. But if you want something in particular, you can always pray to Allah for it. Just as the money that you've been given, you should be content with it in the sense that you shouldn't complain about it. You shouldn't be negative about it. Why did Allah give this to me? Instead, what you want, وَسْأَلُوا min fadli, Ask Allah for His bounty. If you look at it, a woman who goes through pregnancy, yes, she has to deal with some difficulties. However, she's not making the baby herself. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who creates the baby. It is His decisions. It is His choice. He is Al-Qayyum. He is a sustainer of all existence. If we look at our bodies, if we were to support, if we were to maintain our bodies ourselves, we couldn't have been able to. If a person's kidneys are not working, he is attached to a machine and an entire machine is doing the function of kidneys. If we focus on what we have, on the fact that our bodies are functioning properly, that alhamdulillah, at least this is working, this is fine, this is fine, then who cares if I have very thick eyebrows? Or who cares if I have skin color that I don't like? Or who cares if I have a nose that I don't like? And look at the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I mentioned at the end of the ayah, that He is Aziz and Hakim. He can do whatever He wants, and whatever is His judgment is that which is based on His wisdom. So whatever happens with you, with your child, it's based on Allah's wisdom. The fact is that when it comes to beauty, when it comes to zina, everybody has their own standards. Something that is beautiful in the eyes of one person is not that beautiful in the eyes of the other person. So if you try to meet everybody's criteria, you will not get anywhere. Which is why we see that people who get plastic surgery done once, they go get another one, they go get another one. They change one feature, then another feature, then another feature. I just wanted to share a quick reflection. I was wondering about the face, you know, how really in actuality we don't have any say in how we're supposed to look like. Because if I ask you all, can you see your face right now? Can you see your face? No, we need a mirror to see it. So when we can't see it most of the time, it's amazing how we're so focused on something that we can't even see most of the time. This is how shaitan or our nafs distracts us from that which is more important. Just imagine how much time we spend on 
putting makeup on or doing this or doing that just to look presentable in front of other people which is obviously very important but of course our focus should be on that which is more important let's conclude over here let's listen to the recitation of these verses a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim alif lam الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم نزل عليك الكتاب بالحق مصدقا لما بين يديه وأنزل التوراة والإنجيل من قبل هدى للناس وأنزل الفرقان إن الذين كفروا بآيات الله لهم عذاب شديد والله عزيز ذو انتقام إن الله لا يخفى عليه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء هو الذي يصوركم في الأرحام كيف يشاء لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم